But in regards today to something powerful that will help you. I have put together a list of enemies of your faith that you need to fight against. How many remember that the Bible says that without faith it is impossible? So remember this, without faith I cannot please Him. So if I know that in order for me to please Him, I got to have faith, then I have to know what is against my faith so I can fight against it. And there are things that are on your life or coming against you that are contrary to the faith that God wants you to have. God said, my righteous shall live by faith. So I put together a list of elements, of enemies of our faith. We must be able to identify the things that stand as obstacles to our faith. And make sure that we are alert to what is hindering our walk with God. Whatever it is for you may be different for me. Whatever you fight against may be different for me. We are different as people. Some people may have a, a struggle with fear. Others may have a struggle with uh, with addictions. Others may have a struggle with pornography. Others may have a struggle with whatever. Every person is different. But I'm telling you, no matter what your struggle is, in the name of Jesus, this struggle is going to be over because God is going to give you power to overcome every struggle and to be above the circumstances that are coming against you in Jesus' name. I've mentioned last Sunday that I overcame a season where I was depressed. Many years ago. And the way I overcame was through the word of God. And if I overcame, you can overcome too. Sometimes people tell me, you don't know how it feels like. What do you think? Do you think I have never had any challenge in my life? Do you think my life has been perfect from the beginning? No. I face trials, I face challenges, and I still do today, but I'm faced with the certainty that God is with me, that He'll never abandon me, He'll never leave me, He'll never forsake me. It doesn't matter what the challenge may look like. It doesn't matter what the giant may look like. I know my God is for me. And if you believe that, say amen. And the number one enemy that we need to fight against is called doubt and unbelief. And I want you to write these enemies down because it's going to help you. Trust me, this word is going to help you. Doubt and unbelief. What is doubt? What is doubt? You're not sure. You question. For faith is the assurance of the things you hope for. Say assurance. So doubt is maybe. Oh, I don't know. You never know. You never know what the Lord wants you to do. I mean, you want to know the will of God? Read the Bible. The Bible is the will of God. I can trust Him and I can believe Him because of His Word. In Mark chapter 9 verse 24, I want you to go there with me and then let's read together. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So the father of that child said, Lord, help my unbelief. How many of you have seen, been in that same spot? You pray, Lord, help my unbelief. The antidote for unbelief is the word. Say the word. Faith comes by and hearing by. 
the more you hear the word that comes as the anointing of God. That's why I tell people, come to church. People, I'm telling you, every week, just locally, I'm not counting uh, abroad, I get lots of text messages, and, and, and I'm not complaining about that because I'm a pastor, so amen, so I'm not, that's normal. But I get lots of text messages and, and people asking for prayer and all this, and I tell them, come to church, come to church, come to church. Why do I say that? Because I know it's important for them to hear the word because it is the word of God that builds their faith. If there's no intake of the word, your faith is going to be weak and you'll not be able to withstand against the enemy. You hear the word one hour. Some of you hear the word one hour every Sunday when you come to church and then you you are bombarded with all bad news all day long 24-7. So no wonder why some people's faith are weak is because there's no hearing of the word. And faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So the antidote of unbelief is word. The word. The more you allow the word to put in your heart. That's why every day I either hear podcasts, YouTube, read a book, read the Bible, of course. And I'm filling myself every single day with the word, the word, the word. So when I come to preach... I'm not just preparing for a sermon, though I do prepare for a sermon, but I'm living in the Word every day. So whatever you put in, comes out. Whatever you put in, comes out. Whatever you allow in, that's what's going to come out. Amen? So doubt and unbelief. Doubt is believing another word. It is considering another possibility. When you doubt the Word of God, you're considering another word. You know, the Bible says that Eve and Adam, they heard the word of the Lord, don't eat of the fruit of the tree. If you eat, you shall surely die. What did the serpent say? Did God really say? Every time the Lord gives a command, the devil will put a question mark in that command. Did God really say that He's gonna bless you? Did God really promise you that you're gonna, you're gonna, uh, prosper? Did God really bless you? Did God really say your children shall be blessed? Did God really say this? And did God really promise you that? And and your response should be, yes, He did. And yes, He shall do. For all His promises are yes and amen. Come on. Hallelujah. So doubting is believing another possibility. When you doubt, you're telling God, I am not sure you're going to fulfill what you said. When you doubt, you're saying, God, I'm not sure what you say here is the truth. How would you feel as a parent if you told something to your child and he say, I'm not sure you really mean that? How do you feel that? How many have a child or one or two or whatever? Raise your hand. How would you feel if your daughter said, I'm not sure, mom, if what you say is, gonna, is the truth? Hurt. When you and I doubt God, I'm not saying he feels like we feel because his feelings are different. I mean, God is, I mean, I'm just giving an example. But when you tell the Lord, I'm not sure that this is what you mean. I'm not sure. Let me tell you what you're doing. You're questioning his ability to perform what he said. And sometimes I don't know how God is going to do it, but he's going to do it. Sometimes you may not know exactly how, or, 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 or calculate how he's going to provide with your brain. But I'm telling you what, he's to Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. There is a way out. Say, there is a way out. 
For every problem that you're facing, there is a way out. Don't ever let the enemy put you in a, in a dead end. There is a way out with the Lord. He always has a way out. He always has a, a way of escape. He always did with his people. You're not going to be the exception. He, he did not fail his people. He's not going to fail you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So doubting and unbelief is number one enemy. Are you ready to fight that enemy? How do you fight? The word. Every single day. Fill yourself with the word. Speak faith and be filled with things that will build your faith. That's why I don't hear preachers that preach unbelief, preach fear, scare people all the time. Listen, I'm telling you, the things that are happening in the world are very scary already. I don't need another preacher trying to scare me. I mean, if I want negative things and I have the TV, I can just turn it on and feed myself the whole day. That's it. Turn on CNN, Fox News, whatever, and then I'll be like, oh my God, yeah, we're, we're all, we're all in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I want faith, I need to turn on to something that will stimulate the belief in the Word of God, in the promise of God, and get myself filled with that Word until I'm so full, it's overflowing out of me. And if you want to clap, you can clap to Jesus like you mean it. Amen. Hallelujah. Number two. Another big enemy that we fight is called fear. Fear means to be afraid, to be scared. That's exactly the opposite of faith. God has told everyone he has ever met, fear not. Every time the Lord met man, what did he say? Fear not. Fear, be not afraid. Fear. Why did he say that? Because he knew that one of the greatest enemies to mankind is something called fear. Being is afraid that something Bad will happen. Being afraid that for some reason you'll not be able to stand. For some reason you'll not be able to, uh, uh, to make the ends meet. You'll not be able, you'll, you'll fail. Whatever the enemy throws on your mind. That you'll fail as a parent. That you'll fail as a husband. That you'll fail as a wife. That you'll fail as a son or daughter. That you'll fail as in your job. That you'll fail the, the challenge of life. So being afraid is being expectant of evil. That's what being afraid means. You're expecting something bad. But I don't know about you, but we got the good news of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I'm expecting the goodness of God. In every problem of my life, in every issue, in everything, I'm expecting the goodness of God. Say this with me, I'm expecting. Say like you mean, I'm expecting the goodness of God. Oh, do you really believe that? And I'm not the devil putting doubt into you, but I'm just saying, do you really believe that? <laughs> Say, I am expecting the goodness of God in my life. <sighs> that means if I'm going through a trouble in certain area, I'm expecting His provision. If I'm going through a trouble in certain thing in my body, I'm expecting His healing. If I'm going through some challenges in any area of my life, I'm expecting His mighty hand to intervene and give me what I need to fulfill His purpose on the earth. So fear means to be afraid of evil. To be expecting of evil. Anyone who is afraid, have ever seen anybody who had a panic attack? Have you ever had a panic attack in the past? What does that mean? That means that you're so full of fear that you're expecting something really bad to happen. And then people get to the hospital, oh, I'm having a heart attack. No, no, you're just afraid. 
And I'm not mocking that by any means. I'm just saying that the fear is so overwhelming that it looks like something's going to happen. But actually, there's nothing happening. The emotions are so overwhelming that it, it, it affects the physical body. And fear is an enemy because fear wants to cripple you. Fear wants to paralyze you from moving forward. If you are afraid, you cannot get a good job. You cannot be confident. You can not move forward because when you allow fear to overtake you, you're going to be in trouble. Amen? What is the remedy for that? Go to Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. For, for every question, there's an answer and the answer is in the word. For every problem we have, get a promise. I want to say that again. For every problem, problem you have, get a hold of a promise. That overpowers that problem. I'm not saying problems don't exist. If I told you, you know, if, after you come to Jesus, your life will be a bed of roses and you'll never have a challenge in your life. I'm a liar. I don't do that. But one thing I tell you what. He'll always be with you, and, and He'll give you power to overcome any challenge that stands on your way. That's for sure. Um, second Timothy, let's read that together, Second Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given us? Say that God has not given me a spirit of fear. So if I, for some reason, have a spirit of fear, that's not from God. Does that make sense? So if for some reason you're paralyzed in fear and you're crippled in fear, that is not from God. Period. Why? How do I know that, Pastor Hermes? You never know. Yes, I do. The Bible says He has not given me a spirit of fear. But has given what? A spirit? Power, love, and a sound mind. Say power. Say, God has given me power. Yeah, amen. I like that. Say, God has given me power. Love. Say, God has given me love. Say, God has given me a sound mind. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If I get a hold of that, I'm going to walk in that reality. Now, have I always been perfect with never being afraid? No. But whenever I had the situation where fear was knocking on my door, I had the opportunity to say, no, I don't want that anymore. I'm going to fight against it in Jesus' name. And every time I fought it, I overcame in Jesus' name. And let me tell you something. Every time you stand on the word of God, sometimes the enemy will try to resist you. But the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Sometimes you got to resist, endure. And he'll leave you in Jesus' name. There's no oppression. There's no attack that is greater than the power of God that is already inside of you in Jesus' name. Go to Psalms 56 verse 11. Psalms 56 verse 11. And I want you to write these scriptures down and write these um, enemies down. Because it's going to help you throughout the week when you read your notes. It is proven by statistics that when people write this, the messages or lectures, they, they um, grasp more, they, they, they retain more, that's the word that I meant, they retain more of if they just hear. 80% more. Educator is saying that, so, amen. Another teacher is in the room, Marianne, is that right? 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So if educators are in the, in the house and are saying, no, that's true. If you write the notes, it's going to help you throughout the week. Amen. Um, some, go ahead and read that. Psalm 56. In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? In God, I will put my trust. Say, I will put my trust in the Lord. And I will not be afraid. <laughs> Say that again. I will put my trust in the Lord. And I will not be afraid. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. We got to say to ourselves, Oh, Pastor, you know, it's really hard. There's no one to encourage me. Sometimes stand in the mirror and encourage yourself in the Lord, in Jesus' name. Say, you shall be encouraged in Jesus' name. You shall do everything I've called you to do. I mean, you're speaking to yourself. Someone may look at you and say, you're crazy, but you're not crazy. You just believe the word of God and you're speaking to yourself. The, the Bible says that, that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Don't, don't be waiting for people to encourage you. Sometimes there'll be nobody to encourage you right there in your home. But encourage yourself in the Lord. Stand yourself. Wake up in the morning is speak to yourself speak to your mind and mind you're going to be at peace in jesus name i shall sleep the sleep of the righteous and i shall sleep like a baby all my words are coming out and i'm laying my words to the cross of jesus christ because if he's for me who can be against me you need to encourage yourself in the lord and then i'm telling you what you you'll be encouraging others and it will come back to you because whatever you do unto others comes back to you <sighs> Just one more scripture on fear. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 6. Hebrews 13. I'm going to read verse 6. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Hallelujah. So it's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament. God has not given a spirit of fear, but a power of a sound mind, love and a sound mind. I'm talking too fast. Uh, uh, hallelujah. I will trust in the Lord. What can men do to me? I will not be afraid. David also says, if an army besieges me, around me, stays around me, I will not fear. Now I'm telling you, you may say, oh, Pastor, that's good poetry. But it's not just poetry. Listen to me. It's the word of God. And if you trust, it will help you. The, the Bible is not here for us to say, oh, that's a beautiful book. It's not just a beautiful book. It's the truth that will set you free. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Number three, another enemy that fights our faith. Number one, doubt and unbelief. Number two, fear. Number three, lack of holiness. Whenever people are living in sin, they have no authority over the devil. Let me say that again. Whenever people are living in sin, they have no authority over the devil. So you can, I, I, I know a story of a young man. I met him personally. And he was addicted to pornography. And I'm not going to shame anybody because there's freedom in Jesus Christ. And, and then you can be free from any bondage. So when people come to tell me their bondage, I'm like, hey, I, 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 I'm not impressed by that. I know they can be free from anything because I've seen so many people delivered from all kinds of things. Amen. So he was addicted to pornography. And he was in a prayer meeting, and all of a sudden, someone manifested a demon. Ah! And the demon's like, oh, I'm going to hit you. Ah! And then all this stuff that, you know, demons do to scare. Demons like to scare us. 
Because he, kn- he knows if you're scared, we cannot move in faith. When you're scared, you cannot move in faith. So the demons were like scaring. And so that young man saw that and he ran to the devil and said, In Jesus' name, I rebuke you. And you have to come out right now. You got to come out. And he says, No, I don't. I don't have to come out. I know what you do in your room. I know everything you watch. Who do you think you are to try to cast me out? And so that young man was like, oh, he stepped back and he's like, he felt really embarrassed and ashamed because, of, I mean, the demons was for once. He's speaking the truth. Amen. Because he's a liar and the father of lies. But he's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not coming out because I mean, who do you think you are? So he was accusing him and, and he was, you know, speaking against him. So, but the truth of the matter is that young man had no authority because he was not living correctly before the Lord. I'm not saying you're going to live perfect, but let me tell you something. Sin will kill your authority. Sin will kill your faith. If you don't get rid of sin, sin will get rid of you. The Bible says the wage of sin is for the wage of sin is death. So sin needs to be uprooted from our lives. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you something. For some people, they go through a process of where the Lord is plucking things out of them. Especially when you come. I mean, I'll tell you this. Anyone can come to the Lord. Anyone. If anyone, no matter what the background is, comes into this church, they're welcome to come the way they are. But I tell you what. If they remain here for a long time, and allow the Lord to work on their heart. They're, they're not going to be the same. Because the Lord will receive you as you are. Come the way you are. You're messed up, broken, sinful, all corrupted. Come. Come. You should come. But let me tell you. The Lord will transform you. If you open your heart. Say, Lord, change me. He will change anyone that comes to Him. I want you to go with me. First Peter. Chapter 1, verse 16. First Peter, going to be on chapter 1 and verse 16. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. The word holy means to be set apart. That's what it means. It does not mean that you're going to be holy, that people are going to worship you. That's not the point. Holiness means separation. I'm separated from the world. I am in the world, but I'm not of the world. I don't belong here. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on. I'm not from this world. I'm not an alien. But yeah, I'm an alien in a sense because I got the Holy Spirit in me and, and we are citizens of heaven. So we're ambassadors of Christ. I belong to a different kingdom and I'm living in the kingdom of the world, but I'm not from the kingdom of the world. I belong to a different kingdom. I'm an ambassador of Christ Jesus. So that means I talk differently. I think differently. I talk. I, I, I purpose things in my heart very differently from the world. My life belongs to Jesus. Amen. And I've, I've served Jesus all my life and I got no regrets. People say, did you have fun in, in, when you were young? Yes, I had a lot of fun and I still do. <laughs> Amen. I don't, I look at my, my, my teenage years. I don't have no regrets whatsoever. I did everything that was right. Amen. Never backslid from the presence of God and, and, and it's a blessing. I don't have to, I didn't have to go through, oh, it's just normal. You're young and no, it's a lie from the devil. You're young and you're going to serve God in your young years in Jesus' name. And you're going to look back, you've got no regrets. I served God in my teenage years. And I served God in my 20s and my 30s now. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and I'm serving God still. And i got no regrets. And look at my past. No regrets of serving God. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. I know that people are impressed with testimonies like, oh, so-and-so was a drug dealer, or so-and-so was a murderer, a killer, a serial killer, and he came to Jesus, and now he's a preacher. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. But I'm telling you what, it's even greater, a testimony that the Lord raised you when you're young, and you served Jesus your whole life, and you're still serving Him with no regrets, praising Him, going on no way to heaven, you're for the Holy Ghost, always been... Hallelujah. It's a testimony that the Lord not only can take you out of the world, but He can keep you from the world. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. I've met young people that said, Oh, you know, I I feel like i got to go to the world because i got to have a testimony. That's from the devil. It's a great testimony that the Lord has kept you from the world. It's even greater testimony. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you what, I've seen people deliver, I've seen uh, prostitutes deliver, I've seen drug addicts deliver through the power of the Word of God. And let me tell you something, you may say, oh, but you've never been through that. Uh, a, a doctor does not have to have cancer to treat cancer. He just needs to know how to treat cancer. Does that make sense? Nobody goes to an oncologist and they say, you know, you can't treat my cancer, you've never had cancer. He's going to look at you, well, you know what, but I started to treat cancer. Is that right? No one can tell you, uh, a cardiologist, oh, you know, you cannot not treat my heart attack because you've never had a heart attack. He's going to look at you, so what? I've started to do that. So the same way with the Word of God. I've never been a drug addict. I've never been, you know, a male prostitute. I've never been any of that. But I know how to overcome through the power of the Word of God. And I can give the antidote to overcome the challenge of life through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Come on, somebody. Woo, hallelujah. So lack of holiness will stop your faith. Sin will stop your faith. Sin is a disgrace. Sin is horrible. There's nothing fun about sin. And even when you think you're having fun, there's a price at the end that you're going to pay for it. Some, you know, I've heard it said that sin will keep you and will keep you in a spot longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. That's what happens. You know, when when a man is committing adultery, for example, the Bible is very clear. It says that it's foolishness. It's crazy because you're, you're reaping something bad. I mean, there, sin will leave a stain in your life. I mean, there's forgiveness. Yes, for sure, there's forgiveness. There, there's redemption. There's a second chance, for sure. David had that. But even today when we read the Bible, the New Testament says, David had Solomon who was... Uriah's wife. So there's even a reminder of that. There was a stain on David's life even though he was forgiven. And he's in heaven now. I'm not bashing David by any means. But I'm just saying that there was a consequence. A consequence. A life of sin will pay a toll on you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know when people say today, you look young. I don't believe you're that age. I'm not saying my age, but you don't, I don't believe you're that age. One thing that I can tell you, I can tell you many things, but I, one, I can tell you something, you know, a life that is not a life of sin will keep you young. So everybody that is, you know, you want to, you know, look younger, live a righteous life. You're going to be fine in Jesus name. You're going to look better. Amen. Hallelujah. I've had no hangovers, no, no nothing bad. I mean, putting nothing like, crazy, I mean, it, healthy in Jesus, it's a blessing, amen, 
So the enemy wants to say, you're not having fun. You're like, Shut up, devil. You're not having fun because you're going through hell. And then you're not, you're not, you're not put your unhappiness and your bitterness into me, but you're not, I'm not having that. I got the joy of the Lord, which is my strength in Jesus' name. Number four, and I, I, it's seven, okay? Bear of me, I'm almost done. Number four, another enemy that we need to fight. Say, I need to fight the good fight of faith. The Bible says that we have a fight, we have a, we have a, a battle. Number four, ignorance of God's word. A famous preacher from the 19th century said this, Faith begins where the will of God is known. It was F.F. F. Bosworth. You can look it up on Google. <laughs> F.F. F. Bosworth, when speaking about healing, he said, Faith begins where the will of God is known. When I know, how can I, how can I begin to have faith? When I know God has this for me. If I believe that God wants me to be sick, why am I going to believe for a miracle? It does not make sense. You know, I'm very sick and I believe, you know, the Lord is just, you know, He wants me sick, you know. I mean, yeah, if he wants you sick, stop trying, stop taking your medicine then because you're fighting against God's will. I believe the Lord wants me like that. If he wants like that, I mean, just, just submit to it. I mean, if that's what you believe, and then don't go to the doctor, don't fight your sickness because you're fighting against the Lord's will. Do you hear what I'm saying? So if you're taking medicine, which I don't recommend you not to, I'm just saying, if you're taking medicine, it's already in you that you believe he wants you to be well. Otherwise, you'd not be taking medicine. Because if disease and sickness were always just God's will, if it is, then, then why am I going to the hospital? Why people are going to the hospital then? They're fighting God's will. If you believe that God wants you broke and poor and miserable, stop working. Just be a bum. Amen? Because if you believe that, then, then you're fighting against His will whenever you're trying to make money. Amen? And I'm telling you, ignorance of God's word has Taken a lot of good meaning, good well-meaning people into bondage. I've seen good Christians, good people, suffering like crazy with things they think God wants for them, and God does not say in His Word that He wants for them, and then they believe it's their law in life. I remember one time I was in Finland and I was teaching at school um, about healing, and I, and I and I taught on on the covenant of healing. I taught on. Uh, the serpent in the wilderness where, you know, God told, told Moses to build a, a serpent and put on a pole. And then everyone that looked to the serpent was healed. Uh, meaning that the, the, the serpent meaning the curse and the poles meaning the cross. So everyone that looked at the cross was healed. Uh, there was a prophetic picture in the Old Testament. I was teaching about that. I was teaching about Job and I was teaching about roadblocks that people have to be healed. Like people think, for example, that Paul's thorn in the flesh was a disease. I don't have time to explain to you because I got more than an hour of teaching on that. But it was not a disease and I can prove to you in the Bible. Um, so, but people have been sometimes wrongly taught about something and they stand on wrong teaching and that's ignorance. Ignorance is not a, a cuss word. Ignorance means simply not to know. So when you say, oh, so-and-so is an ignorant person on this subject, it does not mean that you're cussing them out. It means that they don't know better about this subject. Amen. So, uh, I remember there was an elderly man, he approached me, he was in his 70s, and had a line of people to pray, be prayed for, and he approached me and he said, 
Um, you know, Pastor, I, I hear what you're saying. I understand you. But this is not from me. I said, I said, how so? He said, because I am like Job in the Bible. I'm like Job. You know, that's, that's my law in life. And I, I've understood that I'm like Job. I was like, good. Job was healed. <laughs> you know, Job's captivity. Do you, know, do you know how long it lasted? Do you know how long it lasted? About 9 to 18 months. That's what people believe. They discussed between that. But, but the, the, the maximum that it lasted was 18 months. And I'm not diminishing his suffering, but Job received double of everything he had. He was healed. He was blessed. He was made prosperous. He had a long life. So I said, well, if you're like Job, then that means you're going to receive double and you're going to be healed in Jesus' name. So I begin to break that through the word of faith into him. And he's like, oh, it makes sense. So, so if I'm like Job, I'm going to be healed. I say, yeah. I mean, why don't you receive it now? And so he got excited about it. And by the end of the service, he was healed. So the problem was ignorance. Say ignorance. I'll, I'll give another quote. Ignorance is the devil's playground. Ignorance is the devil's playground. So the, the devil loves when people are ignorant of, God, of what God wants. Then he likes to entertain them with thoughts and everything. Because when you don't know something, you can't have faith for it. If I, if I believe that God wants me to be a failure, I will not fight for more. The Bible says, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. Now, if I don't believe that, I'm not going to pursue that. Anything that you believe that God does not want for you, you will not pursue. And you will not have the energy and faith for it. Because you will, oh, God does not want that for me. That's not... If you believe that, you're not going to pursue because you can only pursue and have faith in what you know that God has for you. What is available for you. Ooh. The Bible says in Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, my people perish for lack of, not lack of power. Hallelujah. There are so many Christians who are full of the Holy Ghost. They speak in tongues. They run around the building. They dance. They shout. They do everything. But because there's ignorance in some areas, there's still... Uh, you know, uh, battling and struggling and living in defeat because they have power, they have love, but they have no knowledge, no, uh, no knowledge of God's will. So the enemy wants to keep you from sound teaching and from sound preaching because he knows if you get a hold of that, then your life is going to shift. I remember when I began to study the word of God through the lens of faith, my life began to shift. Even the way I prayed began to shift and I gained a new sense of authority. Because I, I, I gain knowledge. Knowledge is power. Number five. And I'm almost done here. Let's, let's, how many are getting something out of this? In Jesus name. Amen. And I want you to keep coming next Sunday because next Sunday we'll talk about the sound of faith. How faith sounds. And, and I'll give some cool examples on, on how you can, um, hear the sound of faith in your life and you can actually activate faith to walk in that realm in Jesus' name. Last Sunday we had an, an amazing, powerful presence of the Lord in the house. And I believe that you, I want to pray for you today. That today the enemies are going to crumble before you in Jesus' name. The enemies are going to fall before you in Jesus' mighty name. Number five, guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. It's an enemy. When you feel guilt, when you feel shame... It's impossible to stand in faith and boldness at the same time. 
say let me say it again when you're feeling guilty when you're feeling that you know you're always feeling below always feeling like oh god is mad at me god is god is angry at me god is just like not happy with me you know let me tell you something when god sees you and if you have faith in his son jesus he sees you through the blood of jesus christ he sees you through the redemption of his son and he see that he told jesus this is my son in whom i'm well pleased and he's saying to you in jesus name this is my son this is my daughter in whom i'm well pleased because when i see them i see them through the blood of jesus christ if i am in christ god looks at me through christ so even though i'm not perfect but when god looks at me he sees christ in me the hope of glory so he sees the image of his son and i became his son through the blood of jesus and he sees me and he says that's my son that's my boy that's my son he can he can move mountains he can speak and things will happen so but when you allow guilt and shame and condemnation to affect you your faith will immediately be hindered immediately how many have ever felt that raise your hand have ever done something wrong or said something wrong and immediately you know oh man especially when you're a preacher because if you're on the way to do something and you, you, you said something wrong you're like man i gotta i gotta preach like lord have mercy you know what i mean but the thing is you gotta remember that your authority and your righteousness i'm not saying deliberate sin so just so you know I'm not saying you're going to be sleeping around and preaching. Oh, God, forgive me. That's not what I mean. Amen. So I mean like things that you can say or things that you can even think that are not, are not um, appropriate before the Lord. But then you're like, Lord, have mercy. My authority comes because of the blood of Jesus. And, I, and let me give you uh, um, two scriptures that will help you find that. How about that? First John chapter 1 verse 9. Go, go there with me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I've used that verse many times. Lord, your word says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us. Say cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that means that any time that you feel, oh, I did this, I said this. Just go before the Lord. Say, Lord, your word says. If you confess our sins, I'm confessing to you, I did this. And don't let the devil over shame you because of that. Just tell him the truth. Because sometimes you ask the Lord for forgiveness. And the devil is just like, oh, you're guilty, you're guilty. I mean, shut up, devil. I ask the Lord to forgive me. And it's none of your business in the first place. Come out, get out in Jesus' name. This is between me and the Lord. Amen. So, uh, first, first John chapter 1 verse 9. And another one is, um, first John chapter 2 verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Look at this. My beloved, I'm writing to you so you may not sin. So in other words, he's saying, listen, a life of a Christian is not a life of sin. So people say, oh, you know, we, we just like sin every day. We do bad stuff every day. You know, I don't live in sin. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not out doing things that are wrong every day. I mean... Are you? Do, like, 
I mean, you, you may do something that is not, but you're not living a lifestyle of sin. That's what I mean. I'm not living a lifestyle of sin where, where, where sin is the norm. I mean, you may, you may sometimes slip on certain things on your mind or whatever, but you're not living a lifestyle of sin. Does that make sense? He says, beloved, I write these things to you so that you may not sin, but, and he puts a but. In other words, sin in the life of a believer when it happens, it's supposed to be an accident, not a lifestyle. Because I'll write to you that you may not sin, but if you sin, what did he say? If you sin? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If you sin, remember, oh, I got, I got, I got an, an attorney of defense that is standing on my behalf. I'm not saying I'm, I'm pre-planning to sin and oh, I got an attorney. No, that's not what I mean. If you sin, there's an attorney, there's an there's a advocate. That is finding your, 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 your case before the Father. And, I, I, and I'm going to give you one more scripture that will benefit you on that. If you are struggling with guilt and condemnation. I mean, get these scriptures and begin to read and meditate upon them. It's going to help you tremendously and you overcome. First John chapter 3 verse 20. Look at this. For if our heart condemns us. God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Look at this. Even if, even if your own heart condemns you, even if the devil accuses you, even if your own heart accuses you, go to 1 John 3.20, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. So that means I come to a point where the enemy has no right to accuse me. And I come to a point that even if my own heart is accusing me, I can put it before the Lord. Say, Lord, your word says that even if my own heart accuses me, you're greater than my heart. And I give you everything. Cleanse me. How many have dealt with that, with shame and condemnation? I think all of us at some point. At some point, all of us have done something, said something, thought something. They were like, man, I should not have done that. And then sometimes you have lived years in regret. But if that is the case, I'm here to tell in the name of Jesus that you shall be free from, from shame and condemnation. And you shall look at the past and you shall see there was just a season of my life, but I'm standing now in righteousness, in peace, and in joy. For the Bible says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of, of peace, of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Come on somebody, say amen. I'm not living condemnation anymore. I'm living assurance that He is for me and not against me. Amen? So, number five is shame and condemnation. Number six. Now, here's, here's a good one. And you're gonna, you're gonna like all seven. And you're gonna, you're gonna digest that in Jesus' name. And if you fight against all these, I'm telling you what, and you're gonna win all these, the, the devil's gonna go crazy. Because the devil doesn't like when people believe the Word of God. He hates it. He does not like the word of faith being preached. He does not like faith to be preached. He, that's why every time, sometimes I've seen it, when I begin to preach faith, the enemy comes, sometimes the same week or the second week, whatever, he tries to say, oh, do you really believe that? Yes, I do! And even the things at one point do not match what I believe. I don't live by what I feel, I live by what I believe. That's what Smith Wigglesworth said, I don't live by what I feel, I live by what I believe. And when you believe in the Word of God hard enough, 
your feelings will submit. Amen? I'm going to give a good one now. How many have got something out of this word? Amen? Praise the Lord. Is it food for your spiritual life? Number six, another enemy to your faith that is really, really rough and really terrible. Worldly influence. Worldly influence. Listen to me right now. We live in a culture that is in degeneration, that is rotten and stinking. The core of our culture, our secular culture, is rotten. Oh, pastor, don't say that. It's just too rush. I mean, just, just, just situate yourself and just begin to watch things that are going on. And you're going to be like, man, this, this, these people are nuts. Like, these demons are crazy. You know, there's all this stuff about, there, there, there are things today that, it's unbelievable what people believe today. Unbelievable. You know, people believe now, uh, there's a Kaleo gender where, like, you're, 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 you don't, you have like a, a you're an alien. Like, you're, you believe you're an alien. There's the cake gender, that you're not man or woman, that you're fluffy and then you're delicious and you're a cake gender. I mean, uh, uh, I'm telling you, this is nuts. And then not only that, but people are teaching kids these perverted things. Children! Children, three, four-year-olds, kids. Oh, kids are being taught this. And oh, oh, Pastor, we're not supposed to talk about this. I mean, why not? I mean, why not? Amen? Oh, but you know, people are, are going to be upset. I mean, I'm not here to, you know, please people. I'm here to please God. And, and aren't you happy that you are in a church where I'm not going to come here and say, you know what? It was like that in the past, but nowadays it's different. No, it's not different. The Word of God does not change. Amen. Aren't you happy about this? Come on, somebody. You can come to a place to worship the Lord where you know for sure that it, it's not going to shift. Like, oh, you know, we, we, we believe that in the past, but now I've come to an understanding that no, no. You're just wrong and full of the devil. I've come to an understanding that things have shifted. Things have changed. No, they have not. The devil is still the same devil. God is still the same God. Man is still sinful and in needs of a Savior called Jesus Christ. And the gospel is still the same. And if you believe, you shall be saved. And if you don't believe, you shall be condemned. Amen. Aren't you happy about this? Amen. I'm telling you, I'll be like... I'll be devastated. I was in a church and, and I didn't know what the pastor believed about this kind of stuff. Oh, you know, you're not supposed to say anything. I mean, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Now, I'll tell you what. But even if, oh, what if someone heard your message? I mean, if they hear the message, let me tell you this. If you believe anything that is contrary to God's word, let me tell you, God has still mercy on everybody and loves everyone. They will come to him and repent. There is a way out. If you feel that you're whatever, you're identifying as a tree, as a dog, whatever, there's hope for you. And you can be delivered in the name of Jesus. There's deliverance in the name of Jesus loves you the way you are. And you can come to him and be forgiven of any sin you've committed. How about that? How about there's hope for anyone who is lost? There's hope, there's deliverance for anyone who is who is struggling. 
a great number of suicide is happening in this generation from 10 to 34 years old. You know why? Because young people are losing their identity. And if the church does not say anything about it, what are we even doing? Oh, you're supposed to preach the gospel. I'm preaching the gospel. And the gospel is supposed to penetrate into every realm of society with the truth of God's word. Amen. So worldly influence, because the pressure is so great. I'm not saying you need to be hateful. Number one, never hate anybody. You're never going to see me treat anyone bad, no matter what their lifestyle is. Be upfront with this. I met all kinds of people. I treat them with dig- dignity and good and love. But then, you never compromise God's word to fit anyone's agenda. I love everybody. People have asked me, well, what would you do? I mean, I'll treat everyone good. Because that's what Jesus would do. Not going with banners and say, oh, you're going to hell. and blah. This doesn't do any good. Amen? Amen? But worldly influence. Let me tell you what. When you begin to have your best friends with people that are not of the faith... It's going to influence your life. Oh, pastor, I'm not like it. It will influence your life. Oh, pastor, you don't know what I'm talking about. I know because I've studied the word of God and I've seen examples right in front of me. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, let's read that together. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Let's read what the Bible says. Anyone that's on your life that is not of the faith in Christ, that you are, I'm not saying that you, for example, I've played soccer with people that are not believers. And I'm, and, and it's good. I mean, I, I'm there. I'm not judging them. and I'm not throwing stones. I'm there, you know, sometimes to have a good time. And I can influence them for good. But what I'm speaking about is people that will be with you all day long throughout the week. They'll be talking. They'll give you advice. Oh, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be too radical. This church thing is too much. And you just like don't know what you're doing. Like you're coming to church too much. You're, you're talk, talking about God too much. And, and they'll begin to influence you in opposition to your faith. And that's what's going to happen. Let me, let, let's read what, what's going to happen according to the Bible. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company? Evil company? Evil company, good character. If you keep doing that, watch what's going to happen. They will influence you and you're going to be weak, a weak Christian if you don't fall away. A weak Christian, don't believe in the supernatural, don't believe in the power of God, don't believe in anything. Oh, you know, because of so and so, you know, I, I, wanna, I, don't, I don't know what they will think about this and I don't know what they think about that. I don't care. You got to come to a point in your life where Jesus is number one. And that's it. And all the rest has to adjust to that. Everything has to adjust to that. And number seven, and we're going to close now. Number seven. I could elaborate more on that, but how many, how many got something out of this preaching? Say amen. amen. Number seven. Unforgiveness, bitterness. Unforgiveness and bitterness will stop your faith. Whenever I hold unforgiveness against anyone... I am setting myself to have my faith decreased. And I'm speaking to everyone 
including myself. All of us. No one is exempt from the word of God. Oh, you know, but I'm different. No, you're not. We're all the same. The word of God is the same. What I mean, we're all the same. That the God's standards goes for everybody. Oh, the, oh, it's not that like the word of God is for you is one thing, but for me is different because I'm special. No, the word of God is for everybody. Un, un, unforgiveness will stop the flow of God's life in your life. If you, how, how many have been hurt before by a friend or family member or a coworker? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if everybody. Uh, uh, yes. So everybody's here, right? Have ever been hurt? If you keep a place of that grudge in your heart, where you're always going back to that, and you're nurturing that, and it's going to grow, it's going to develop a something that the Bible calls a root of bitterness. And I'm telling you, it's not nice what the Bible says about that, because if you allow that thing to grow, it's going to kill your spiritual life and kill the flow of God's life in your life. Now you may say, oh, but Pastor Hermes, I'm not supposed to be friends with them. Let me tell you what. Forgiveness is one thing. Reconciliation is a different thing. Sometimes you can have forgiveness and reconciliation where the relationship is the same, just like nothing happened. But sometimes, you know, for example, if you if a thief is trying to break in your home, will you let him? No. Oh, but you should forgive him, Pastor. Come on. Um, certain things that people have done and they have not repented. If you know that something, someone is trying to harm you. You may forgive them, but are you going to be still hanging out with them? It's different. Do you know what I mean? Forgiveness is an attitude of the heart. Forgiveness is when you let go of that uh, sense of uh, revenge. Ah, he's going to pay for that. Ah, ah I, I'll see the day where some, I've seen Christians say that. Ah, I want to see the funeral. I want to see the man. Come on. I'm praying that the Lord will open up the grave and put him inside. Ah, yeah. I've seen that. Seriously. I'm like, what the heck? You're crazy. Open up the grave and you come in. I'll see the funeral. I rejoice about that. The Bible tells us that we should not rejoice with the fall of others. Even our enemies. We should not rejoice. So that means when somebody's fallen, somebody's being disgraced into something, Lord have mercy. I don't rejoice over that. Even if that person did anything bad to me. I'm telling you what, if I were to keep a grudge on everyone that has ever hurt me, and everyone said negative things against me, I would not even be preaching today. I'd be like stuck. But let me tell you what, God has not called you to be stuck in unforgiveness. God has called you to be free in the name of Jesus. And whatever was in your heart that is binding you, that is afflicting you, you can be free. And today is a day of a new beginning and let go of that thing that is holding you in Jesus' mighty name. Because when you release forgiveness, the one that benefits you, the is most benefited, is not the person. It's you. When you release forgiveness, you are being benefited from that. Oh, but that means that they will not pay for what they have done. Let me tell you what. When you release forgiveness, you're releasing your end and say, my God, my justice is not perfect. I don't have the perfect measure of justice. So I just give it to you and I let go of my rights, let go of everything. Now they will handle with God. And then you're out of the picture. And if they did something that they they was unrighteous and that was bad, let me tell you what. It's going to come to them. Not that I should rejoice over that, but that's the Bible. A man shall reap all his souls. Amen? 
But your heart must be free from that. If you're not, your faith will be stuck. I'll read the scripture and we'll pray and go. Hebrews 12, 15. Hebrews 12, 15. Looking carefully, lest any fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Look at this. Don't let any root of bitterness develop in your heart because it will defile, oh, it defiles the person. No, it defiles many. Why? Because whenever I allow bitterness to come and grow into my heart, it will defile everybody that is around me. Have you ever met someone? That, How are you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. Life is bad. It's hard. How are you doing? I'm not bad. They can never say, I'm good. Not bad. Not bad. You know why? Bitterness has set in. And bitterness affects every relationship you have. If you allow bitterness, everyone in your family will be affected by your bitterness. If you allow bitterness, your marriage will be affected by the bitterness. If you allow bitterness, your children will be affected by the bitterness. If you allow bitterness, the church will be affected by your bitterness. Everything, everyone that is around you will feel the bitterness that springs out of you. But I don't know about you, but I want love to overflow from me. I want faith to overflow from me. I want power to overflow from me. I don't want any root of bitterness is coming into me and overflowing to give it to people. I want people to receive the life of God through my life in Jesus' name. Stand to your feet in Jesus' name. And I believe today we're going to pray in Jesus' name that you shall be free, that the enemies of your faith shall fall in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. That whatever is afflicting you is going to go in Jesus' name. Oh, pastor's fear. Oh, pastor's doubt. Oh, pastor's unbelief. I believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to crumble by the power of God in the mighty name of Jesus lift your hands to heaven right now and close your eyes maybe you identify some enemies there are against your life maybe you identify oh I have fear I have unbelief I have doubt I have bitterness I have um, worldly influence you gotta make a decision today my friend forgiveness is a decision it's not a feeling oh pastor if you only knew when Jesus was dying on the cross, the people that were beating him, spitting up against him, spitting on his face, beating him, whipping him, and he was hung on the cross without having done anything wrong. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Oh, Pastor, but that was Jesus. Aren't you and I followers of Jesus? When Stephen was being stoned, he didn't do anything wrong. He was just preaching the gospel. The Bible says that he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And the Bible says when Stephen was dying, that Jesus stood up in heaven. How many know the Bible says that, the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. But when Stephen was dying, Jesus stood up to welcome him. He said, this one will not be an angel welcoming him. This one, I welcome him myself. Because Jesus saw himself in the life of Stephen. 
And let me tell you, so many of us will, oh, I have the right. I have the right to hold this grudge. I have the right to hold that offense. He did this. He said this. He did this. And he did. And you hold it too much. But let me tell you what. If today you let go, you'll see the flow of the life of God come back to you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You can hold on as much as you want. But don't complain later when your faith walk will be hindered. You can, you, you can hold on. Oh, I have the right. Okay. Stay with your right and be a spiritual midget. <laughs> if you want to grow spiritually, you got to do obey the word of God. There's no excuse to disobey his word. Lift your hands to heaven right now. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of, that is above every name, the name of Jesus. I pray that every person that is under the sound of my voice, from those who are watching here, those who are in this building, those who are in this church, and those who are watching online, and even those who watch the replay of this message, or here on the podcast. Father, I pray that the truth of your word will penetrate the depths of their heart. And I pray, Father, that whether they are they're fighting unbelief, they're fighting, fighting doubt, fear, whatever it may be. Father, I pray they shall overcome it in Jesus' name. Father, let those who are offended release their offense unto you. Father, let those who are bitter release their bitterness. And that, that you replace the bitterness through the joy of the Lord. Father, your word says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Not the bitterness, but the joy. And we pray, Father, that your joy will fill our hearts. Every soul will be filled in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, right now for the power of the Lord to touch every person in Jesus' mighty name. We pray that every enemy of our faith will fall. We pray that every enemy, every of the seven enemies will fall. That we shall not be people of doubt, of unbelief, but we shall be people of faith. That we shall not be their people, but we shall be joyful people. Father, we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus that you're building an army, an army of believers in this hour. An army of people, Father, who will stand with the word of God and who are full of the Holy Ghost. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that every person that is watching this broadcast will be touched, will be forgiven, will be cleansed. We break the power of shame and condemnation. We break the power of sin in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father God, that there's no weapon formed against us that shall prosper. There's no enemy that can rise against us that shall overcome us and over take us, but we shall overtake the enemy in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Say hallelujah. Let me tell you something. Take this word to heart. Apply that and see if there's any enemy in your life. It's time to break the power of that demon in Jesus name. In Jesus name. I bless everyone that is watching the broadcast in Jesus mighty name. We'll see you guys soon. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.